Welcome to Staying at the Table. We are friends and community and part of a church called Cornerstone Christian Fellowship in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Despite our many differences, we aim to stay at the table, which means we don't walk away from each other when we disagree. We believe the best of relationship comes when we're willing to listen to each other, showing love even when we continue to see the world differently. In today's episode, we have a concluding conversation with Joni surrounding her journey through grief. So sit back and enjoy. Thank you. So welcome back, everybody. We're so glad that you're with us again. And we are on part four of look at you again, <laughs> of our conversation with Joni. And um, we're. A, I love you so much. We're, we're uh, You're just like the best. <laughs> You're just the best. We're a small crew uh, today. We are Joni Miller, our director of worship and the arts at Cornerstone Christian Fellowship, and me, the Reverend Doctor Tracy Saletta, and of course we have Dave. That of which we would not be able to do what we're doing if he were not the guy behind the scenes. So there's Dave. And um, we, as I already said, are on part four of the journey that we're taking with Joni and um, just kind of talking about grief and the story of our former pastor, the Reverend Dr. Robert S. Miller, and um, the journey of his diagnoses, the journey through to his passing, Last episode, we talked about the memorial and what was going on there. And so today, um, I believe this is our final episode, we're going to talk about what next? What was the journey after he passed away? Because I want to paint the picture for you, is Joni is still within the context of where Bob was the senior pastor of her life, of her home. And how do you navigate that? How did she navigate that? How did she navigate when I stepped in as the senior pastor? How did she navigate her life after she lost her uh, her we, My after we. she lost her her spouse and her partner of 30 plus years? So we're going to close out today talking about what happened next, Joan? Now Bob has passed away and you have to figure out how to live. So take it away. Just just something so easy. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Just explain everything that you've gone through. So, well, welcome. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, I just want to say, you know, this is my journey. I don't expect or think that this works for everybody or this is like some kind of formula, just trying to share. And if anybody gets one thing that helps or that moves them from, you know, one part of the board to the next part, that would be so phenomenal because that's really why I'm here today with you. And thanks for having me. Um, Yeah. So what was interesting is after we did those last sessions you know, I went home that night and then uh, got up the next morning and it was like a Mack truck had hit me. Mm. And it was like my body hurt. I didn't feel well. 
I was low. I was, I couldn't, I was like, oh my gosh, what happened? Like I went, oh, wow. It was like a taste of what I was going through at that time. Um, it brought the grief back it, it, up. Well, it just brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. Like I wasn't feeling the uh, insane devastation, but I was feeling it in my body. Mm. <clears throat> and um, yeah, and then I took a nap for three hours that day. Yeah. <laughs> three hours. <laughs> like, what is that? Like, how do you, and that was one of the most revealing things um, looking back through my writings and journals and um was how much grief physically affected me. I mean, how many times I wrote in my, like, I don't feel good. I don't, I hurt, my whole body hurts. I think for a year, my body just hurt. Mm. I think I just pounded the Advil. Um, so that was part of every day. And I wrote that in, my body hurt for a year. Uh, the kids had left after a couple of weeks. Uh, a friend of mine, Joanna, came in and stayed with me, which was really helpful. I needed that. Some people might not, but I did. I needed someone around to process all the things. And like one of the first things when like, if someone says to me, I lost a spouse, I'm like, get a lawyer. I know it sounds very like cerebral, (laughs) but it's not like, like, that's what you need. Like, you need this person that's going to come in. And um, Jennifer Levy Tatum came in and did that for me. And uh, she just did things that I didn't understand. And fortunately, I was in charge of our finances at the house. Like, I did all the bill paying and the checkbook. So I didn't have to learn any of that. But there was all this other stuff going on. I didn't know what to do with the house. Within the first couple months, the water heater broke. Um... The heater stopped working in November. My bathroom leaked into my apartment below. I had plumbers and he, you know, there were things I had no idea what to do. So every step was overwhelming. And um, yeah, so one of the first things I had, the very first entry that I wrote down in my journal was um, was every person that helped me. Hmm. Because I wanted to, like, remember. And it was so sweet to go back and look. And there had to be 40 names there. Um, you were at the top of the list. You and Tony. <laughs> <clears throat> and then it just went, you know, it went further. And um, I could not have made it without support, without you, without Tony. I know you're going to lose it now. There's no way. I mean, it's through all my pages. You know, talk to Tracy today. Me and Tracy went and did this. Me and Tony and Tracy went away on vacation. Me and, you know, like, it's like find a friend. <laughs> you, got, you got to have a friend. I don't care if it's a family member or like a, a close whatever, but like you got to have a person. You have to have a person that sees you and is there when you call or is there when you just happen to stop by or just need another voice. You need a voice on the other end of the line that you know is going to be there. Um, Could not have made it. It sounds trite, but it's not even like, there's just not a chance. Right. Because 
you know, besides my journals, and then as I was looking through my journals, they were my, um, <clears throat> you know, God was my therapist. I see that as I look back. I sat every single day. I just sat and ranted into my books, mm. just, just like a crazy person. And sometimes it was glorious and God would give me, you know, sometimes I would just read some of the Psalms and then kind of write off of it and like, well, how am I feeling? Well, how does that work for him, but not for me? And what is that? You know, that sounds very fun and sweet, but it's not working for me today, God, you know? So I did a lot of that. Like I couldn't have made it without that. Um, just God being with me every day. L- lamenting to God. Serious lamentations. Like, serious lamenting. Um yeah, so and and what I'm hearing you also say is lamenting but challenging God with almost the word. Looking at it and going, yeah, nice bible didn't oh, work for me. Absolutely. How accurate is that? Uh, like like 20 times in my yeah. yeah. Like well, that's a great verse, but like I didn't see that. Right. And then God like he would speak to me. Now was it the voice of God incarnate in my room? Maybe. I don't know. I felt it. I wrote it down. It's and how it, you define God. With, and it comforted yeah. me. You know, it comforted me that I could get through that hour or yeah. that day or that three-hour period. Um, and he would say things like, you know, I'm like, where were you, God? What were you think? Like, how could you have done this to us? And why didn't you take care of Bob? And he would come back with, I was there. I yeah. was with Bob. I was, I was with all of you. I was speaking to him at Peoli Hospital. I was in the room with you when you were ministering and singing songs over him and praying over him with the prayer team. Um, I was, he was visiting me. <laughs> he was visiting me in the, mm. the Lebnox, we called it. Right. Um, and it was, so there was those sweet, like, I never left you. I never left your side. I never left Bob. And I, I'm still taking care of him. You, you know, know, what is so interesting in what you're saying, it wasn't that it wasn't that God was giving you an answer. No. Or that God was making even an excuse or a reason for what happened. God was just saying, I am. I'm with you. I was there. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful. So much of that. And um so then, you know, practically what happens is the the big days start showing up. Mm-hmm. So those he, milestones. He died on March 2nd. Well, March 31st was his birthday. It's killer. Yeah. It's the killer. Just like floundering. I think one or both of my kids came home and we hung out together. I mean, it was just you just don't even have you can't really there's nothing to do. You just kind of want to be with people that you love. And um, then April 2nd, our anniversary, kick, two days later. Yeah. Just a kick. Then there's Father's Day. I think I went out there to see them in um, Carlisle for Father's Day. Just to be, you know, around your loved ones, which I always encourage people to do. Just be with the people you love on these days and plan ahead. I, I got used to that. I got used to it, and I still do this. I, I still look ahead. I'm like, what am I doing for Thanksgiving? What's happening? Like, what am I going to do on this day or when that's coming? And I, I have to plan to, to help myself out. 
Like I have to be my own helper. Yeah. To, you know, um, just had that conversation with someone the other day. I'm like, what are you doing for the holidays? Tell me what you're doing. Do you have a plan? You know, and we work through it. Um, the kids' birthdays, then Christmas. And, you know, I, I wrote in my journal. Um, and vacation. And vacation. Yeah. It was just, and that, that was um, something I just wanted to say. You know, when you're used to being a couple, and like I said, I lost my we, I lost my us. Yeah. And I had to figure, not then, but like it hits you. So all of a sudden you're a, you're a one, you're not an us. And people usually invite the couple over. They don't invite the one over. It's uncomfortable. It's not easy. And you're in pain. Who wants to have you around? <laughs> Seriously. Like, who want? hey, come on over for dinner. Let's go out to eat. You're especially, fun. Especially the angry Joni. <laughs> <There was, laughs> who wants the was, angry Joni around? Yeah. But see, we tapped into each other because we, we could like feed off of that we and did. just go, yeah. Oh, man. You know, and just. Just, you were great because you let me be all of those things. And, you know, there were others also that helped out and friends that came alongside and a couple of family members and, you know, some people that were just really special. And I'm not going to do names except for you because <laughs> I'm here. you're here. I have, you. you know, and you're at the top of every list. So every time I go thankful for, I'm like, help me through. <laughs> you know, but, um. Yeah, so some of the top three, like I have some just notes here that I, I work I work through. I, I said, I feel like I'm dangling off a cliff and there's just waves of sadness that mm. keeps pushing me. Like the, like you'd get through something and then another wave hits and you just don't know what to do. And sometimes you just sit there and cry, go to bed, stare. Um, and then I would hear from God and he would say, I'm like, I'd be crying out to God, like, what do I do? Give me something to do. I need something. And that's when I got that word. And this was pretty early on. He said, I want you to follow beauty. It was mm. such, it was so simple and I still do it. And it opened up things for me. I think I started with my porch. It was just this little porch and I made it beautiful. And then I was like, oh, a sanctuary. I need a sanctuary. And that's yeah. what he was he was telling me to do that, which then developed into, I knocked all the walls down in my house and redid my whole interior. Yeah. <laughs> and then that became a sanctuary. And then I did that in my living room. And then that became a sanctuary. And then I started a design business later on, a year and a half later. And then I do that for other people. Mm. And so it still continues. Like I'm searching for the beauty to instill that. Because that's God's presence is there, and um, so that was a sweet word. He just said, "Breathe that in." Um, and then I have first Christmas. We made it through. It was fun and terrible. Yeah, that was a tough one. But I felt um, what I call the grace bubble, mm. and I felt God surround me and my family. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't like happy go lucky it was just his, him like i felt a protection to get through it and i feel like that's available to everybody that's not a joni thing that's not something i just get 
that's available to anybody who needs it. It's like, I pray that over people now. <laughs> I pray it. I write it in cards. I pray the grace bubble over you. Yeah. Where, where God just goes, Whoo. You know, what you're making me think of is when we hit grief, and I'm, I say this oftentimes when I'm coaching, is grief demands to be grieved. Grief does not let you off the mm-hmm. hook. You must. The only way through grief is through it, and you walk through it for the rest of your life yeah. in different uh, intensities. But when I'm hearing you say, and God is so smart, of course we all know that, but what I'm hearing you say is you have the choice to fixate on on the grief or God inviting you into find the beauty, right? In yeah. the midst of your pain, in the midst of your grief, find those things that are beautiful for you. Find those things that are is your sanctuary. Like the yeah. overall... The overall message almost I'm hearing is find your sanctuary. Don't lose sight of the beautiful. Yeah. Because we all run down that train track of the beautiful and the ugly. We all do. Yeah. It's, we ride the rails of both at any given time in life. And I hear God inviting you through just such sweet ways, Joni, find the beauty, find your sanctuary. It's lovely. Yeah, because it was just pain every day. Right. And then um there's a hole. Yeah. <clears throat> the um this is a an entry. I'm gonna read some of this. This is from nine fifteen. So this is September before Christmas. Right after he passed away? Yeah. Okay. So he passed in March and this is September. Um feeling weak. Everything reminds me of Bob. Everything. Pictures, the weather, TV songs, the time of year. This is when we would all go away, have fun, take trips, and now there's nothing. Nothing feels right. Don't know what to do with that. If I try to rest, I feel too isolated and lonely and sad. If I go do everything that is in front of me, I feel overwhelmed and exhausted. I'm so mad that Bob isn't here. Mm. I'm so distraught that this is my life. I hate my life. Wow. (laughs) This is just me being like... Yeah, get it out. No, I love it. You know? I hate it, but... Yeah, it's like, I don't want to do this. Everyone looks and thinks by now I'm okay, that I'm strong, and that I'm over the bump in my life. I have that in quotes, air quotes, bump. Well, guess what? I'm not. I'm like, nothing is okay and nothing is right. Those were in big letters. And that wasn't towards anyone or anything. It was just earth. Sure. You're just like, you're not okay. You're not okay for years and years, and still I'm not okay sometimes. Sure. So I thought that was pretty telling, you know, of just where I was in that moment. Um, yeah. So then, uh, yeah, we get through Christmas, and I wrote in a bunch of things where we'd have these moments where, like, wow, this was like, I had a couple of good hours today. Mm-hmm. Or I had a good day because we went and did something and it, I could be distracted. And then uh, the next day would be kill. I'd just be, you know, I go, like we go on va- vacation with my kids or something, come home, I'd just be devastated for days. Yeah. It's like the loneliness and the the horror of it all just comes in again. It's like... So you want to do those things that take you away, but then you feel it afterwards. Mm-hmm. 
And I noticed that a lot of times. I wrote about that in in different days. Um, so then the next, I'm going to move into that next year. And I had a prayer that came to me and it said, you know, I want to, I want to do this differently, God. Can you, I need a new wineskin. Mm. I remember sharing that with you. Mm-hmm. I need a new wineskin for my life, for my family. Not just like a covering, but like a, where in Matthew it says, don't put the old wine into a new wineskin because it'll just blow it up. Don't sold an old patch onto a new pair. I said, so I have a new, not that it felt new, but I have a new destiny, a new life by myself, on my own. A new normal. Yeah. So I wanted his direction like to say, what does that look like? What, what do you want me to do? And I prayed it over my kids. I prayed it over my ministry that I would, I have all these prayers around surrounding this word. Um, you know, things at church that I was involved in, um, over my friends, over my relationships, over my family. <clears throat> and um, that got me starting to think outside of just grief and just pain and sort of moved me out just one more notch up the board. Um, and then very close to that, cause it was the next entry and I don't know what the dates were, but it was somewhere around June. Yeah. My, my journals are like how, yeah. how I take notes. Certainly not linear. <laughs> yeah. They're, my journal, you, you've seen me take notes and it's just like yeah. sideways. What is happening in that? <laughs> sideways and circles. With stickers. <laughs> Pictures. <laughs> yeah. There's things on the top and then the arrows. And, um, so this was, this was huge. And this unraveled even later in another thing that happened. But, uh, this is something I felt really strongly from God. For those of you who can't see, she's holding her journal sideways <laughs> so she can read it. Anyway, go ahead, my friend. It's just it's part of the brain pattern. Yeah. Um, so I, this, I wrote it exactly how I heard it um, from the Lord to me. Part of human nature is to hold on to people, things, treasure, mm. days. But hear this. If you keep holding on to the pain and sorrow, as I know it makes Bob and what was, quote unquote, feel and seem closer and real and is some sort of disguised comfort, it's completely detrimental to you. Joni, move ahead for what I have in store. Don't be lulled by the sadness. Fight it. Take your stand in who you are. Okay, well, that was a lot. Wow. So hold on. We got to unpack that because what I'm hearing you say that in the, in grief and in the sadness, there's a type of comfort that you were experiencing that kept Bob more, kept Bob closer. Yeah. Or, or dare I say even alive a little bit more. Yeah. Like if I felt it, if I felt the grief... And the pain, the pain and the the sorrow were were part of my cloak. It was part of my, like what I put on every day. Powerful drum. Yeah. And like he was saying, it's disguised comfort, meaning like 
And later on, I unpacked that in, in another couple journal entries. And it, he, what God was saying is like, let me be, <laughs> getting tingles now, let me be your comfort. Don't let the pain and the sorrow interpret themselves as something that you need and something that's bringing you, like, you'll still have the memories, you'll still have the beauty, you'll still have the love of all of it, but don't hold on to it like it's somehow helping you. And so, I was, obviously, I was still holding on to this sadness. And like, this was when? This a was year later? About a little over a year later. So, So to do that, I would imagine there was a part of you that was almost having to let go of Bob. That's what it felt like. Yes. That in my brain, I'm like, well, you just want me to forget everything, God. You know, I started arguing about all this. But then it made sense because he he would keep saying to me in further entries, you know, I've got you and I'm surrounding you and I'm your comfort and I'm here for you every day. Like you can you can unravel on me. You can let me have it all. I can handle it. And you will never, it will not release, it will not release Bob. It will not release him from you, but it will instead let me pour into you what I have for you. Wow. And um, that was huge. This was huge. I remember I stood up and shared this exact thing in a service. Um, I don't know if people got it, but... It's very deep. It's really deep. It's very for a deep. Sunday morning. I'm not sure if it really went in. But you, you have to be. You have to have understand grief. Yeah, I think there's a part of that. Yeah, because the brain goes, "Well, why would you want to be sad?" It's like right. well, you don't want to be sad, right? It's because I like the word that you use, cloak. It's a cloak. Yeah, it just makes you feel closer to the person. It's somehow you feel. The love closer and and deeper and it's exhausting and tiring and your body feels it, you know. So I'm still feel I'm still achy. I'm still feeling my body's still hurting a year later. Yeah, I'm still pounding the Advil. And I also remember you at that time. This is coming back to my mind when you and I talked about this. You kind of sharing that you almost felt it was being disloyal. Yes. To let go of the grief. I remember that. Disloyal it, to Bob. Yes. Yes. I remember I f- that. Felt like this is not going to, this is going to take him further away from me. Yeah. And yet feeling that grief. It was comforting. Yeah. It was weird. It was the comfort of grief. It sounds bizarre, but there was this, like you could just relax in it and feel it. And it's not a self-loathing thing or like pity party. It was just... It felt like that's the way it just is. Yeah. You know, and God kept, and he does it over and over in my journal, bringing me to scripture. People had words for me, all the, just like over and over, trying to get me out of holding on to the sadness. God God is so sweet. No, he's, it's so faithful. Like my whole journal is like just a mark of faithfulness of, of just all the things God God did that next a month later. Matt Kistler wrote me a poem, and it's just a little poem. I just want to read it real quick because this is just like bullseye. 
he said, wrote this out, felt God told me it was for you, and mm-hmm. he sent it to me. And see, this is where you need your community. Like, right. I had you, but like, I was probably exhausting you. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get, don't be honest. I don't care if I exhausted anyone. I don't want to know because I needed everybody. I needed everyone. And, and that's what the community as a building block needs to know. Right. People need everybody, not just a couple. But, um, he wrote, Lord, out of these ashes, make beauty. I don't see it now. And the thick cloud smoldering low over my heart chokes my will to fight, wait, and trust. All I'm left with are these damn ashes, good-for-nothing ashes. And then there is beauty, gracefully singing in the tree above me, singing out your words of truth, beauty, joy, hope. They are still here, simply, easily, breaking through the acid smoke. A single fresh breath that I draw in, and then it's gone. Come, beauty, come. Life pour out from this rubbish pile in my heart. Wow. A year later. What I love is yeah. that he did that a year later, right? Year so later. often people forget. Oh, man. He remembered. Matt Kistler, man, you prophetic genius, you. Yeah. And, and there, were, there were others that wrote me th- encouraging words, stop by. You know, I can't even explain how sweet, you know, to let people so the message is don't forget those who have lost somebody. Yeah, keep them in the forefront. Like just re- just call them. Yeah, a year, two years. Yeah, three years. Remember with them. I remember, you know, Sophia just dropping off flowers on my, on the anniversary. Yeah, I think she did that for like four years straight. Like just just simple, but like wow, you remembered. Yeah, you know. Um, I, I can't stop. I don't want to start making names because there were so many. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have one entry here where I wrote Yeah, but down. did Sophia keep sending you flowers <laughs> eight years later? <laughs> I knew it. I knew this was going to be I shouldn't have brought up another name. No, it's not about me. <laughs> it's not a competition. <laughs> there we go. Now we're in it. <laughs> Now we've come to the threshold. <laughs> now you got a glimpse yeah. of Jones in my yeah. relationship. <laughs> and it keeps going. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think that that kind of, you know, on and on, you know, God would say, let it go, Joni. There's no one to impress. You don't have to prove anything. You know, he was just like my champion. He was just speaking to me, words of like, not just I'm with you, but like who I was. And so for me, and I, I would hope this would work for others, but I, I don't know. I've never journaled before. This was not like a thing I do. I don't have 17 journals of my life. This was it. I started with this. And and um, so I wanted to make that clear. Like, And there was a point where I actually stopped. It was somewhere around 2019, right before the pandemic. And then stopped and, you know, just didn't, didn't write anymore. Didn't need it. Yeah. Not the same way. Not yeah. the like, not the way like where it was, wow. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say in this is the journey for you through grief was your community. 
relationships, mm-hmm. people supporting you, coming around you, writing letters, giving words, giving flowers, meals, my worship teams kept cards, you know, singing with me. Worship teams. <laughs> Even though I'm sure I was a nightmare half the time. Yeah. Dave, don't answer that, please. Yeah. <laughs> Dave doesn't know what I'm talking about. That's right. Yeah, like, I don't know. No, no, Joan was perfect. No. And but what I hear also is as mad as you were about God, you did not turn your back. You entered with God and fought and lamented and poured yeah. your heart out. And that, that that was the mustard seed. Yeah, the mustard seed to of hang just on like to. I got that. I got that much faith. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just think that's so key. Because when I'm watching people grieve, and I coach a lot of people with grief, they have nowhere to put it. They they have nowhere to put it. And I'm I'm listening to you going, I was putting it in God's lap. Absolutely. And and expressing. And I still do that. Yeah. Like I have I have days where I, I just go, you got to you got to take over. You got to take this. I'm not capable of handling. Right. Whether it's a situation or like a, a relational thing or whatever. Whatever it looks like. Life right. things that happen. It, it's just me and God, we're like, we talk constantly. It's like a running conversation. He's never not there. Yeah. Because I need him so much. Yeah. Um, so... I want to get to the, because this is very important for you. So 2017, God, no, 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 no. 2016, God invites you to um, letting go mm-hmm. and stepping out of the grief mm-hmm. and to Start the new wineskin. Yeah. And, you know, I'm reading a book right now on meaning in grief, through grief, and what this author who worked with the woman who had the five stages of grief, and he talks about there's a sixth one, and that sixth one is meaning, finding meaning through it. And that's what I'm hearing you say is God is almost saying, come out of that and find meaning in the beauty, find meaning, a different meaning of living, a different, different way. way, right? Well, then in 2017... God gave you another revelation through somebody in community who mm-hmm. who in, who gave a prophetic word of come out of the cave. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the cave because I don't want to lose that. Yeah, we're coming close to the end. Well, there was a yeah, there was a turning point early 2017 where I got a picture and I just wrote it out and it was I want to leave. I'm going to leave from survival and work into building. So I was, I was consciously making steps towards that. Like I had been in survival mode for two years and I wanted to start moving into life. Nice. So what was, you know, I don't want to say his name, doctor, but the Nigerian pastor. Yes. Yeah. Um, Came in and um, 
he said, Joni, can I pray over you? And uh, I said, yes. And so he started, you know, praying in the spirit, praying over me. And um, also um, there was another person there. And I think you came over. Mm -hmm. This was after a service. And he had been there uh, two weeks before and had, um, as he said here, um, he felt healed. He felt like he got healed through the worship and through the time of ministry. And he wanted to pour that back over me. So he was kind of bringing back something that he felt God did for him. And he wanted to pray over me. And he said, um, basically, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he said, I see a cave and there's a boulder in front of it. And no one can move the boulder but you. Mm. And yeah, no one can move the boulder. And it's huge. And it's, you know, and what is a cave and a boulder kind of represents? Death. Right. The tomb. Tomb, darkness, fear, overwhelming everything. And um, <clears throat> the dark cave, a stone has been put and closed it off. He says, I don't know what's in the cave. I pray that the huge boulder will be removed in the name of Jesus. And then he started praying over that. And he says, do you know what's happening? Like what is, and he said, I think he asked me to move the boulder. And it ended up that in the cave um, was my pain. Hmm. Still holding on to it. Okay, so I got the, the other word. <clears throat> about the disguise of comfort, like a year ahead of that. So that was 2016. You got the word. 2017. This guy comes in and he says, you're, it's still there. Wow. But it's like so hidden. You're you're hiding it from God. <laughs> I'm like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Um, it's like I have prayed. And so he just started this. It was very simple. It wasn't like a big hoopla. This is, you know, people running around near us, running around through the sanctuary. And he just started saying, he said, I'm going to pray that God would take away the pain. Have you ever prayed that? And I went, no. (laughs) I have never prayed God take away the pain. And he said, let's pray. Mm. And he just kept saying, You know, and he prayed in his beautiful way over me, take away the pain, take away the pain. And then he said, you you say that now. And once again, I wrote down, um, let me see, I've never never prayed that to take away the pain. Because he said, why do you think that is? And I said, what do I have left of Bob in my life with him if I release the cave memories? Wow. How can I minister through this? And minister to others if I don't carry the pain. Like I thought my pain was helping others as I ministered because I felt it so deeply. And um, yeah, so once again, it was the same argument that a year before, the disguised comfort, but this was even deeper because I wasn't letting God in there. I'd let God through this door, but not this deep, deep um, version of it. And um yeah, and he said, well, let, let me pray over you. And he just kept saying, take away the pain, take away the pain. And I said, so here right now, with all the heavenly hosts and ministers of the deep in front of the, the faces in front of me, I ask you, God, to remove the boulder, 
go into the cave and release and clean it out and um, wipe down the walls. And I prayed that God would bring in his light so that I couldn't go back in there and, and just like have it like a luminescent thing where it didn't need for me to turn the lights on. It was just always there. Um, and that was a huge turning point. And then you and I talked about the cave and how what it represented even further mm-hmm. and brought into like idea of resentment and like, so it wasn't just pain, but now it was things that were being held against other people. And then God revealed to me that I was carrying Bob's pain. Mm. It wasn't just mine. So all these things were part of this deep inner like thing that was somehow seemed really like natural to me. But it was a third party offense pain. So people that had hurt Bob or offended him or come against him, I was carrying pain and, and feelings and things against them that I had to let go yeah. and work through. And so one of the next pages is me writing down and literally working through, um, what, what's his name that we, the guy who had the, um, the conference. Neil Lozano. Neil Lozano's. Heart um, of the Father. Heart of the Father, releasing, <clears throat> releasing stuff, praying through stuff. So I did all that work of just going through name by name, anything God brought up to me, any incidences. Did you want to name any? Name? <laughs> I'm go- I was going to photocopy this and put it on our website. Um, in the name of Jesus, shared pain. That's what I called it. Look, there's. Oh, I'm seeing the list over there. Yeah. It's not small. I no. think it goes on. Well, he was a pastor for 30 years, so, yeah. you know, there lot, were things. Lots of stuff went on. But, um, yeah, and all these, so that was just like another part of the, the healing for me. Yeah. And to say, I think we all have that. I think there's things that we all, whether you're grieving or not, we have things that we hide from God that we think are hidden. I mean, he obviously sees everything. Right. But it was just like... Like this starts the whole second part of my journal from 2018, 17 on. Um, once again, working towards building and not, not just surviving. Yeah. So thank you for sharing all that. And then there's so much more, and I know that. So we are literally just skimming the journey and the story. I keep. I keep telling Joni she needs to write a book because it's uh it it was just profound and I don't think we talk enough about grief yeah. in our culture we we kind of and we don't understand what it is to grieve and we think everybody should stop grieving after you know our 3 day bereavement or maybe a week bereavement but to to journey through it. And it takes years. It takes mm-hmm. a lifetime. You never, you know, there's no such thing as getting over grief. Yeah, You live through it. And I always talk about the fact that when somebody passes away, uh, a hole is, is birthed in our heart. It doesn't go away. Yeah. The hole yeah. remains. Yeah. But I want to leave with this. Out of the ashes comes a new life 
right? A life that continues to miss the we, mm. but a new life, right? With, with its beauty. And just kind of share where you are now. Like eight years later, yeah. where are you now? Um, yeah, wow. Almost nine. Coming, coming Eight up. Eight and a half, yeah. Eight and a half. Um, I still miss Bob. Mm-hmm. My kids still miss their dad. It's never, you know, I've had, uh, since Bob um, passed away, Dana got married uh, to Ashley. And then... Two years ago, they had a baby, so now I have a grandchild. And then this past year, they had another baby. So now I have two grandchildren, Gracie and Ava, and they are joys. But it also brings another like level of, like, Bob should be here. Yeah. Where's Bob? Why isn't Grandpa, Papa, whatever he would be called here? Abba, Papa, Bob. Abba, Papa, Bob, <laughs> where is he? You know, and... And it's so sweet when I see you and Tony with your granddaughter, and I'm like, oh, I would, I would just yeah. love that. He would just love it so much. Yeah. You know, so it's like the joy and the sadness still kind of ride the same train. Yeah. They don't really like, as, and then my daughter got married last year, and it was just the most exuberant, fun wedding. And um, once again, you know, just... Where is he? It's just the same question that I wrote yeah. like within like a month after he died. Like, where is he? Yeah. He's not here for this. And, you know, just believing that God sees all of this. And um, so those those happy, beautiful moments are are coming. They're here. There's a sadness with it. But we as a family try to, you know, and his, his parents and his, his family, they they miss him constantly. You know... So there's just like a, it's still the same stuff. Like no matter what I wrote down, how I was feeling, God's answer was always, but I was there, but I, but I was at your daughter's. I was there. Bob was there with Mm. me. My presence is there. He's in my presence. He's with you. Mm. And that always goes back to, I think one of the first things I shared in the very first episode was feeling like those, those saints that that work and hang out in God's presence are here during worship. And it's like a cool thing that they can join us. Yeah. And I just feel like as, as we, as we search for God and as we find his presence, um, that's, that's the best we can do here on earth. Yeah. <laughs> that's the best we got. Yeah. More than anything. But we still need the hand that touches us, the physical person. We still need each other. Yeah. So just to be there for each other. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that's where I am. I think I'm still, you know, I work through it. Now I have tools now. Yeah. You know, I have all of this and then I have tools to, to work through it, but it's still hard. It's, it's not the easy path just because it's eight years. Yeah, and I remember, and I, I think I said this in a previous episode, but I, because it's so poignant to me, is the moments that you feel, where's my we? Yeah. And I don't, be here I, right don't, now. I don't have my we in yeah. this moment. 
So it's the beautiful, ugly. Yeah. It's the it's, but God is within it all, and yeah, I think you, you know, have navigated just I think a nightmare of a situation, and I so agree with you. You allowed God to be your counselor, yeah, and 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 took up the challenges when God said, "Come out of your pain." You know, I think of that song, you know, by I think Stephanie Gretzinger or whatever, Come Out of Hiding. Yeah. And yeah, that you continue to move forward even when you didn't want to. So so thank you for sharing a very poignant story and uh yeah, taking us on your journey. And again, this is just the tip of the iceberg. I know that you need to write a book okay, or, you know, do a longer podcast on grief or something. I don't know. But thank you. Thank you for letting us into your journals and your heart mm. and and your journey. Well, thank you. And everybody listening and just praying that, you know, anything makes sense to move and help. And, you know, just really thankful for this community, for you and Tony, for Dave and what you're doing here at the podcast and all the the great things that are happening here. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for tuning in, listening and joining us. And we will see you again. Thanks, Joan. Thanks. Staying at the Table is hosted by Dr. Tracy Saletta, Matthew Kistler, and James Beatty, and produced by Hear It Sound and Studio. Got a question or a comment or a topic you want discussed? Email us at adminccf at gmail.com. We'd love hearing from you. And don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with new episodes coming out. And if you're feeling kind, leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Find out more about staying at the table at cornerstonewestchester.com. Westchester.com.